This afternoon I preach you the Word of God as it is summarized and confessed by the church in Lord's Day 24 of the Heidelberg Catechism. You can find that on page 538 in the Book of Praise. Lord's Day 24 is very closely connected to Lord's Day uh, 23. In fact, it's a continuation, as you can see. It starts with the word but, as it uh, interacts with what it means to be uh, righteous before God uh, only through faith in Jesus Christ. And the church asks and makes the confession, beginning with this question, But why can our good works not be our righteousness before God, or at least a part of it? Because the righteousness which can stand before God's judgment must be absolutely perfect and in complete agreement with the law of God, whereas even our best works in this life are all imperfect and defiled with sin. But do our good works earn nothing, even though God promises to reward them in this life and the next? This reward is not earned, it is a gift of grace. Does this teaching not make people careless and wicked? No, it is impossible that those grafted into Christ by true faith should not bring forth fruits of thankfulness. Beloved Church of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, I don't know if any of you who were here last week in the afternoon uh, were worshiping together, reflecting on Lord's Day 23, I don't know if you noticed, but last week in the afternoon worship service, we encountered what, what might have appeared to be a contradiction, and you might have actually noticed it. Even while you were singing, you you were saying words. Focusing on our fallen nature, we had concluded together from Romans 3 that no one is righteous, no one is innocent. And yet we had just sung Psalm 18, uh, stanza 7 and 8, you might have it in front of you, where we sang, it came out of our own lips as believers, we, we sang according To the cleanness of my hands, he granted me his gracious recompense. I have not from his holy laws departed. Before him, I was blameless and pure-hearted. I have committed no iniquity. With his rewards, the Lord has favored me. To all those just and faithful in their dealings, you, Lord, are just, your faithfulness revealing. Those who are pure and innocent will see your innocence and perfect purity. Now we know that those words were ultimately fulfilled in Jesus Christ, the only true and righteous one. Yet we have to accept that David and even the church today, we we do claim obedience to God's laws. We did sing Psalm 18, stanzas 7 and 8. And in Psalm 18, we even connect the divine reward to righteous behavior. 
Now when we consider that the same David who sang of perfect purity also penned Psalm 51 after committing adultery with Bathsheba, it really makes us wonder how he's defining this righteousness and these good works. When we look to other books in the Old Testament, we see the same thing. For example, in the book of Job. How many times did Job speak to the Lord and his friends about his own righteousness, refusing to accept the friend's proposition that the Lord was punishing him for something sinful he had done? Job even went so far as to demand an explanation from the Lord for not rewarding his righteousness. Did these Old Testament believers believe what we confess in Lord's Day 24? Or looking at it the other way, can believers in Jesus Christ still sing Psalm 18 and similar songs? Well, The gospel I proclaim to you is that Christ's work changes our hearts in such a way that we may truly do good works. And these good works are more than just acts of service. We see that theme, we see that declaration in Ephesians 2 verse 10. Believers are created in Christ Jesus for good works. And we look at these good works, we see that these good works respect God's holiness, respond to God's grace, and reflect God's love. Well, the scriptures are very clear, and we confess that we need to be righteous in order to enter into the presence of God. As our confession words it, we see that this can't just be a righteousness in one part of our life. It can't even be a pretty good righteousness, or an, as far as anybody knows, righteousness. No, in order for a person to be declared innocent on the day of God's judgment, we have to be, as we confess, completely innocent. The Lord who sees our heart must see an obedience to his law in thoughts and words, desires and actions of every person who, who would dwell in his holy place, who, Psalm 15, who would spend eternity in fellowship with him. And as we confess this, we find that this absolutely perfect righteousness, a, a righteousness that is in complete agreement with the law of God, is the righteousness that we really want to see in our own hearts and in our own lives. It's the righteousness that we desire. We as believers, as followers of Jesus Christ, we don't like our defiled desires. We don't like our imperfect works of charity. We don't like the imperfect part. We don't like the sinful motives and the pride that seem to stain even the best works in our lives. How much more do we hate the outright sins that we commit in rebellion against God and disregard for our neighbors? Believers love it very much that God is too holy, too pure to look upon evil of any kind. It's a delight to know that the Lord loves a relationship, a fellowship, and peace with his creatures that not only glorifies his holy name, but also brings so much joy and satisfaction 
to his covenant people. And, and, and we love to know that, that in eternity, none of those sins and none of those rebellion, none of that will be there anymore. The picture of heaven stands before us and we are eager to be a part of it. Even though we know very well that we cannot pass through the judgment of God on our own merits. We know even the best works of his life are defiled with sins. Well, the good news is that not even our sins can frustrate the glorious plans of God for his chosen people. For God has opened up the way into his presence through the holiness of his son, Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2, verse 10 makes that very clear when it says we are created in Christ Jesus for good works. In Christ Jesus for good works. And did you notice the order in this verse? It doesn't say that our good works bring us to Christ, but that God first places us in Christ as his workmanship. God is too holy to look upon sin, so before anything else, we need to be in Christ. And as a result, the first sign of God's work in our lives is the understanding of his holiness and the desire to confess our sins, to, to, to embrace the grace that he announce in, announces in Christ. When David spoke of his good deeds, he included the good deed of offering sacrifices, of humbling himself before the Lord, of expressing his faith in God, his confession of sins, his complete dependence of the Lord, on the Lord for his grace, for his atonement, for his righteousness. You see that? Rightness of David included the confession of his sins. David spoke with confidence about not departing from the laws of the Lord because he was a man who confessed the sins of departing from the ways of the Lord and he prayed for God's Spirit to guide him. David could sing Psalm 18 at the end of his life because he had sung Psalm 51 throughout his life. It is because Job regularly offered sacrifices for himself and for his children that he could claim a righteousness before God, not a righteousness of himself, but a righteousness that was given to him and a desire to stay in that holiness. So when David and Job spoke of their pure hearts and their blameless lives and righteousness, they were not claiming a, a perfect sinlessness and obedience on, the, on their own part. They were speaking of the, their love for the God who revealed himself as the one who gave a way into his presence through the forgiveness of sins. And they were accepting this with joy. When Christians speak of doing good works, when we speak of righteousness and righteous behavior, we should be careful not to limit the meaning of this term to the acts of service to our neighbors. Rather, we must understand that everything we do flows out of the finished work of Jesus Christ. 
that regular humiliation or humbling of ourselves before God, the confession of our sins that, that is so much a part of our daily life that also humbles ourselves, that humbles ourselves, and a commitment to receive God's grace as a gift with a joyful heart, they are also good works written in our heart by the Holy Spirit. These are also signs of obeying the will of God. We point to Christ as our righteousness, and then we entrust ourselves to his grace by confessing our sins, first of all. Having received a righteousness that is outside of ourselves, that takes all the pride out of our hearts, then we see that our lives really are nothing more than a response to God's grace. David and Job understood this. They were responding to God's grace, not claiming to have earned it, earned salvation on their own. What we see in Ephesians 2 verse 10, that we are created in Christ Jesus. God creates us in Christ Jesus, which is a way of saying that he takes what was not what it takes what was not and makes it exist. He took what was by nature uh, sinful and rebellious, Ephesians 2 verse 1, dead in sins, and then he transferred these dead people into his son Jesus Christ to give us new life. We are created in Christ. We are In Christ our sins are paid for and we are given new hearts that are created now to see God's grace, and to respond with that urgent desire to walk with the Lord in fellowship and peace. John says it nicely, much more brief than I did briefly. He says, we love because God first loved us. When the Holy Spirit guides the converted believer who is created in Christ Jesus, he is able to clearly see the grace of God in his life. He's eager to walk in obedience to his will. This desire to walk with the Lord is something that is worked in our heart by the Lord. And so like a grateful child who will show love for his his mother so that nothing will hinder the the, the intimacy of their bond as as mother and, and child So we have this inner desire, this longing to walk with our Heavenly Father by eagerly seeking to keep in step with the Holy Spirit. Since good works are a response to God's grace, we see again that when we talk about good works, we need to think beyond just acts of charity, which can actually often be done for selfish purposes, and we need to see that good works necessarily are focused on praising God. So just like confessing our sins, also praising God is a good work of the new life that will only be performed by those in whom God has worked. Good works are focused on living in the grace of God. They consist of of wanting what the Lord wants in our lives rather than just go through the motions of love and work and worship and try to see what we can get out of this existence, this life. When we start each day, when we start 
everything with, with God's grace, then our highest desire as Christians is always to praise him with whatever we do. Good works are done with the understanding of God's purpose and his will in creation. We see God at work. And then we put ourselves in his work. So in his grace, God has given life. Seeing his grace, we rejoice in life. Families and relationships and friendships and in, in, in little babies being born and bring so much joy to our hearts. In his grace, God instituted families where we join his purpose. We think carefully about godly marriages and how to raise our children, how to support one another in raising children. He gave commands and we want to praise him. We respond to his grace by seeking to live in his commandments. He gave his son to die for our sins. We give thanks by fighting against sin. He sends his word out to all the earth and we give thanks by carrying his word to everyone we meet. Do you see that godly Christian deeds and lifestyles are really just expressions of thanks and praise to God for his work? This is what God created us in Christ Jesus to be busy with. These are the things that David and Job were pointing to in their own lives as well as, as clear expressions of their sincerity, their faith in the Lord. They were children who, who were telling their father, see how I love to walk with you. Well, as we think about this, we realize that the goal of every work that we do is, is, is to live in fellowship with the Lord. Led by the Holy Spirit, we see God's grace in our lives and we are driven by a desire to be in the presence of the Lord. That's why we sing like Psalm 15 and, and 24. The way to respond to God's grace is to walk according to his will that has been revealed to us in his commandments. So holiness, righteousness. Some people say, wow, those are big words. It's very, very down to earth. Very, very, things that we, we know about. The Ten Commandments are about our daily calling. The works that God prepared in advance for us to do they aren't in some sort of separate category of our life in a box with holiness, leave for Sunday, written on it. But we do these works when we organize our lives, when we have one day of rest among six days of labor, when we respect authority whether in the classroom or in our homes or whatever circumstances we're in, when we show selfless concern for our neighbor's well-being, when we live in purity and faithfulness in our relationships with people's, people of the opposite gender, when we resist greed so that we can be generous with our financial resources, when we speak God's truth boldly 
when we remain content with the Lord and in his, his nearness to us. All this is responding to God's grace to us in Jesus Christ. Studying the Bible that God has given to us. Regular conversations with our Heavenly Father in prayer. A willingness and an eagerness to hear the gospel proclaimed in the word and the sacraments. These are that natural, heart-led, gut-reaction response of creatures, of believers who have been created in Christ Jesus. That's what he, he's leading us to do. But when God's people respect his holiness in the confession of their sins, when they respond to God's grace by praising his name with holy living, while well, the love of God will be reflected through them as his instruments to the world. Good works reflect God's love. Ephesians 2 verse 10 makes it very clear that the good works that we do find their origin in the workmanship of God, in the work of God in our hearts. He is the one who is, is using us. He created us in Christ Jesus so that we could do good works. And when we are doing good, good works, then God's will for us and for our neighbors can be seen in our lives. Christians and their, their life of service before the Lord and service to their neighbor are ambassadors that are declaring God's love to the world. You think about that every, every day as you're, you're living your life. Every time you're speaking, every, every behavior you show, how you spend your time, you're, you're constantly declaring who God is to your neighbor. And the beautiful thing is that when we are connected to the Lord and he shines through us, this good works, this righteousness in life, it makes a difference. Your good works allow people to see the love of God, his grace, his worthiness of praise. And since your love of God will drive you to love your neighbor, your holy life and good works will change the lives of those who know you, who are around you. Whether you are a toddler, a child sharing a toy with a brother or a sister, or a child inviting everyone who wants to, to play the game that you're playing. Or whether you're a teenager that says hi to the shy person who happens to be standing alone by herself. Or an adult stopping to get a car out of the ditch. Or a family faithfully confessing their sins and praising the Lord. Or a grandmother praying for the members in your church. People around you will know that your heart has been changed because of the way that you are impacting their life. And if you've ever been affected in some way by these kindnesses, receiving the toy or, or being shy and being invited to go somewhere to be involved in a game, you, you know that this Christian love, down-to-earth holiness and celebration of God's grace is life-changing. The Lord gives his children compassion and stewardship and generosity and humility so that we will necessarily, we'll necessarily see also who needs to experience God's love and then manifest 
this love. If you think back to Job, he spoke of his righteousness. He was a man who confessed his sin, who lived in praise to the Lord. He also was a man who, he says in chapter 29, who, who delivered the poor, who cried for help. He made widows joyful by helping them. He was a father to the needy. He was faithful to his wife, Job 31, honorable to his servants. And he gave clothing and food to the needy. And we see where this all comes from because the Lord Jesus taught us that good hearts, changed hearts, hearts changed by God, created in Christ Jesus, will bring forth good works in acts of service for their neighbor. And John 15, verse 8, that was the display text when you came in today. No, it wasn't, but it was going to be. I changed it. It says in John 15, verse 8, that we prove we are his disciples by the fruit of thankfulness that can be seen in our lives. Jesus doesn't say we earn the right to become his disciples by these, these fruits of faith, but he says we prove that we are his disciples by the way that we are living our lives. Anyone who has experienced God's love says our Lord Jesus and shows Job and David, they will stand out from others by their love. It's striking that Tabitha or Dorcas, whom we read about in Acts 9, had her whole life described with, with words that would be wonderful to have described for each one of us. She was full of good works and acts of charity. The people around her bed, mourning her death, were widows who could hold, could show the tunics and other garments that Dorcas made while she was with them. Makes us ask, will our neighbors, will the people who know us, will they describe our lives as being full of good works and acts of charity? Are we showing that we are in Christ by our good works? Or are we showing that we are not in Christ by the careless and wicked attitudes towards confession and towards praise and towards service? Are we stirring up one another to love and good work in our lives? And that's the display text, Hebrews 10, verse 24. Well, we know, brothers and sisters, that we're not saved through faith because of our works. Our good works are in this big, broad context of the work of God through us and in us and for us. But we are God's workmanship created for works, for service. In his command to Titus to teach what accords with sound doctrine, Titus 2 verse 1, the Holy Spirit includes the command to be a model of good works. But we don't preach the gospel to the unconverted. We don't pray for the oppressed or give food to the hungry or money for homes to the destitute and clothing to the cold because God needs us to. We don't even do it because God needs to see us doing it. But we do these things because our neighbor needs this love. And God has placed us in that place to help them. And God has created us in Christ Jesus for this very purpose. It's a nice way to go around in your life, look around and you see all the purposes 
that God has created you in Christ Jesus for. You could say that. The moment came. <laughs> this is what God created me in Christ Jesus for. That's why I'm here to serve, to reflect God's love. So as we go from here today, remember the three parts, you could say, of, of our righteousness, our good works that belong together. It begins in that confession of our own sins in light of his holiness, a confession that keeps us grounded and makes us remember who we are. And the second part is the good works, the part of praising God in light of his gracious will. And finally, how this reflects in serving others as well. Every time we do a good work that praises the Lord, every one of these needs to be present. That's the kind of good works that David and Job could sing about because they tie believers to Christ's righteousness and then carry us into the rewards that he has earned for us. And we are right to sing Psalm 18 with gusto, even though we know very well that we were conceived and born in sin. For we are created in Christ Jesus for good works, and his Spirit leads us in this transformed life. Amen. And although it would seem very fitting to sing Psalm 18 right now, I found another psalm that also speaks of how we are seeking to be righteous and generous and kind to our neighbor. And so it's Psalm 112, stanzas 1, 2, and 3. We'll sing that standing together. <clears throat>